Section fourteen of the Chouans by Honoré de Balzac, translated by Ellen Marriage. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. Chapter two I. Another scene had been enacted in the dining room, which, in the absence of the Marquis, had taken so menacing a turn that Marie, who found herself deprived of a protector, could read her death warrant written of a certainty in her rival's eyes. At the sound of the volley, every one except Madame de Gouin had risen from the table. Take your seats again, said she. It is nothing. Our people are killing the blues. When she saw that the Marquis was well out of the room, she rose. Mademoiselle here, she said with the calmness of suppressed rage, came to carry off the gar from us. She came to try to give him up to the Republic. I could have given him up a score of times since this morning, replied Mademoiselle de Vernoy, and I have saved his life. Mademoiselle de Gois sprang at her rival with lightning swiftness in a transport of blind fury she rent the feeble loops of twisted braid that fastened the spencer of the girl who stood aghast at this unlooked-for assault and with violent hands broke into the sanctuary where the letter lay concealed tearing her way through the material the embroideries corset and shift then she took advantage of this search to assuage her personal jealousy and managed to lacerate her rival's throbbing breast with such dexterity and fury that her nails left their traces in the blood that they had drawn feeling the while a horrid pleasure in subjecting her victim to this detestable outrage in the faint resistance which marie offered to this furious woman her unfastened hood fell back her hair released from restraint shook itself free in waving curls modesty had set her whole face aflame two burning tears fell that left their gleaming traces on her cheeks and made the fire in her eyes glow brighter she stood quivering at the indignity shuddering under the eyes of those assembled even harsh judges would have believed in her innocence when they saw what she suffered. Hatred is so clumsy a calculator that Madame de Gouin did not perceive that no one gave any heed whatever to her when she cried triumphantly, Look here, gentlemen, have I traduced this frightful creature now? not so very frightful said the stout guest who had brought about this disaster i have a prodigious liking for frights of this description here is an order said the merciless vendean lady signed by laplace and countersigned by dubois several raised their heads at the two names and this is the gist of it madame de gois continued military citizen commandants of every rank local administrators procureur syndics and so forth in the revolted departments and especially those situated in the localities frequented by the ci-devant marquis de montauran chief of the bandits and nicknamed the gars are to give every help and assistance to the citoyenne marie verneuil and to act in accordance with the orders which she may give them each one in everything that concerns him and so on and so on 
here is an opera girl taking an illustrious name to soil it with this infamy she added there was an evident stir of surprise among those assembled the contest is not on equal terms if the republic is going to employ such pretty women against us said the baron de guenique gaily and women moreover who have nothing to lose returned madame de goix nothing said the chevalier de vissard mademoiselle has endowments which must bring her in a pretty large income the republic must be of a very frivolous turn to send us women of pleasure as envoys cried the abbe Goudin. but unfortunately mademoiselle seeks those pleasures which kill said madame de goix with a hideous glee in her expression which meant that the end to this jesting was approaching how is it then that you are living still madame said marie rising to her feet after repairing the disorder in her dress the cutting epigram silenced the company and compelled their respect for so proud a victim madame de goix noticed a smile stealing over the lips of the chiefs the irony in it infuriated her she neither saw the entrance of the marquis nor of the captain who followed him Pimiche, she called to the chouan as she pointed at mademoiselle de verneuil here is my share of the spoil i make her over to you do whatever you will with her a shudder ran through the whole roomful at the words whatever you will in that woman's mouth for behind the marquis there appeared the hideous heads of mush a terre and pianiche and her fate was evident in all its horror francine stood as if thunderstruck with clasped hands and eyes brimming with tears mademoiselle de verneuil who recovered all her self-possession in the face of danger cast a look of scorn round the assembly snatched her letter back from madame de goix and held up her head her eyes were dry but there was lightning in them as she hastened towards the door where merla's sword was standing there she came upon the marquis who stood apathetic and motionless as a statue there was no trace of pity for her in his face every feature was rigid and immovable cut to the heart her life grew hateful to her this man then who had professed so much love for her had listened to the taunts that had been heaped upon her had stood there a frozen-hearted spectator of the outrage she had just suffered when the beauties that a woman reserves for love had been subjected to the general gaze perhaps she might have forgiven montauran for the scorn with which he regarded her but it made her indignant that he should have seen her in an ignominious position the dazed look she turned upon him was full of hate for she felt a dreadful craving for revenge awaking within her she saw death now close upon her and felt oppressed by her own powerlessness 
something surged up in her head like an eddying tide of madness for her with the boiling blood in her veins the whole world seemed wrapped in flames instead of killing herself therefore she snatched up the sword brandished it above the marquis and drove it at him up to the hilt but as the blade had slipped between his side and his arm the gar caught marie by the wrist and dragged her from the room aided by pia miche who had flung himself upon the frenzied girl just as she tried to kill the marquis at the sight of all this francine shrieked pierre 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 she cried in piteous tones following her mistress as she wailed the marquis left the stupefied assembly and went out shutting the door of the room behind him he was still holding the girl's wrist tightly in a convulsive clutch when he reached the flight of steps and though pia miche's nervous hands were almost crushing the bone of her arm she was conscious of nothing but the burning fingers of the young chief at whom she gazed with her cold eyes you are hurting me sir the marquis looked at his mistress for an instant and this was all the answer that he made have you something to avenge as foully as that woman has done said she then she shivered as she saw the corpses stretched out upon the litter and she cried the faith of a gentleman <laughs> her laughter was fearful to hear a glorious day she added yes he echoed a glorious day and without a morrow he dropped mademoiselle de vernoy's hand when he had given one long last look at the magnificent creature whom he found it all but impossible to renounce neither of these two highly wrought spirits would give way perhaps the marquis was waiting for a tear but the girl's eyes were dry and proud he turned away abruptly and left piamiche his victim god will hear me marquis i shall pray to him to give you a glorious day without a morrow piamiche rather at a loss with so splendid a prey drew her along with a mixture of respect and mockery in his gentleness the marquis heaved a sigh and returned to the dining-room turning upon his guests a face like that of a corpse with the eyes as yet unclosed captain merla's presence was inexplicable for every actor in this tragedy everyone looked at him questioningly and in surprise merla perceived their astonishment and smiling sadly he spoke still in character to the shuans i do not believe gentlemen that you can refuse a glass of wine to a man who is about to go the last stage of his journey it was just as the assemblage had been restored to equanimity by these words uttered with a gallic light-heartedness which was bound to find favor with vendeans that montauron reappeared his white face and the fixed look in his eyes struck a chill through every guest 
you shall see said the captain that dead men will set the living going ah said the marquis with the involuntary start of a man who wakes from sleep there you are my dear counsel of war he reached for a bottle of vin de grave as if to fill the other's glass thanks citizen marquis but you see it might go to my head at this witticism madame de gouin spoke smilingly to the guests come she said let us spare him the dessert you are very cruel madame in your vengeance the captain answered you forget that murdered friend of mine who is waiting for me and i always keep my appointments captain said the marquis you are at liberty stay and he threw his glove towards him here is your passport the chasseurs du roi know they must not kill all the game at once life said merle very well so be it then but you are making a blunder you shall be closely pressed i will engage for it and i shall give you no quarter you may be very clever but you are not worth so much as gerard still although your head will never make up to me for his have it i must and will he was in such a great hurry retorted the marquis good-bye perhaps i could drink with my own executioners but i cannot stay here with my friends murderers said the captain and he vanished leaving the guests to their amazement now then gentlemen what have you to say about the sheriffs apothecaries and attorneys who rule the republic asked the marquis coolly god's death marquis replied the comte de bauvin they are very ill-bred at all events that fellow has affronted us it seems to me there had been a secret motive for the captain's prompt retreat this girl who had met with such scorn and humiliation and who perhaps succumbed at that very moment had during the past scene shown him beauties so difficult to forget that as he went out he said to himself if she does belong to that class she is no ordinary girl at any rate and she shall assuredly be my wife he despaired so little of rescuing her from the clutches of these savages that his first thought had been how he would take her under his protection in the future having saved her life unfortunately when the captain reached the flight of steps he found the courtyard deserted he looked about him and gave ear to the silence but heard nothing except the noisy far-off laughter of the shuans as they drank and divided the booty in the gardens he ventured to turn the corner of the fatal wing of the building where his men had been shot down and by the feeble light of one or two candles he distinguished from his angle the chasseurs du roi broken up into different groups neither piamiche nor marcheterre nor the girl herself was there but he suddenly felt a pull at the skirt of his uniform and turning round he saw francine on her knees where is she 
he asked i do not know pierre drove me away and ordered me not to stir which way did they go that way she answered pointing to the causeway then in the moonlight the captain and francine discerned certain shadows falling on the waters of the lake the slender feminine form that they both recognized indistinct as it was made their hearts beat oh it is she said the breton maid mademoiselle de vernoy was apparently standing there resignedly with several figures about her whose actions indicated a discussion there are several of them the captain exclaimed it is all one come along you will lose your life to no purpose said francine i have lost it once already to-day he answered gaily both of them made their way towards the gloomy gateway on the other side of which this scene was taking place but francine stopped halfway no she called softly i will go no further pierre told me not to meddle i know him we shall spoil everything do anything you please monsieur l'officier but keep away if pierre were to see you with me he would kill you piamiche appeared without the gate he called to the postilion who had kept in the stable saw the captain and shouted as he leveled his musket at him st anne of auray the rector at entrain was quite right when he told us that the blues had signed a contract with the devil stop a bit i will show you how to come to life again hello there my life has been granted to me shouted merla seeing himself threatened here is your chief's glove yes answered the showman just like a ghost that i on the other hand do not grant you your life ave maria and he fired the shot penetrated the captain's head he dropped and as francine came up to him she distinctly heard merla uttering these words i would rather stay here with them than go back without them the shoeman rushed upon the blue to strip the body with the remark there is one good thing about these men who come back their clothes come to life again along with them but when he saw in the captain's hand the glove of the gars that had been held up for him he stood in dismay at sight of that sacred token i would not be in the skin of my mother's son he exclaimed and he vanished with the swiftness of a bird in order to understand this unexpected meeting so fatal for the captain it is necessary to follow the fortunes of mademoiselle de vernoy after the marquis overcome with his rage and despair had gone away and abandoned her to piamiche then francine had seized marcia terre's arm in a spasm of fear and with her eyes full of tears had reminded him of the promise he had made to her at the distance of a few paces piamiche was dragging off his victim much as he might have trailed some awkward burden after him 
marie with loosened hair and bowed head turned her eyes upon the lake but she was held back by an iron grip and compelled to follow the shoewan with lagging steps now and again he turned to give her a look or to hasten her progress and each time he did so a jovial thought was expressed on his face by a frightful smile isn't she grand he cried with uncouth emphasis francine hearing these words recovered her power of speech pierre well is he going to kill mademoiselle not just at once answered marcia terre but she will resist and if she dies i shall die too ah oh, well you are too fond of her so let her die said marcia terre if we two are rich and happy we owe our good fortune to her but anyhow have you not promised me to save her from all misfortune i will try but stay there and don't stir away marcia terre's arm was instantly released and francine consumed by the most terrible anxiety waited in the courtyard marcia terre came up with his companion just as the latter had entered the barn and forced his victim to get into the coach piamiche demanded his fellow's aid to pull the coach out what do you want with all this inquired marcia terre well the grande garce has given me the woman so all she has belongs to me as for the coach well and good you will make some money out of it but how about the woman she will fly at your face like a cat piamiche burst into a noisy laugh and replied i shall take her home along with me and i shall tie her up all right let us put the horses in said marcia terre a moment later marcia terre who had left his companion to keep watch over his victim brought the carriage out upon the causeway outside the gate piamiche got in beside mademoiselle de vernoy without noticing the start she made to fling herself into the water hello piamiche shouted marcia terre what is it i will buy your share of the plunder of you are you joking asked the shoeman pulling his prisoner by the skirt as a butcher might seize a calf that was escaping him let me have a look at her and i'll make you an offer the unhappy girl was obliged to descend and to stand there between the two shoeans who each held one of her hands in his grasp and gazed at her as the two elders must have stared at the bathing susanna marcia terre heaved a sigh will you take thirty good livres a year do you really mean it do you take it asked marcia terre stretching out his hand oh it is a bargain for i can have breton girls with that and grand ones too but how about the carriage who is to have that said piamiche bethinking himself that is mine cried marcia terre with a ring in his terrible voice which indicated a kind of ascendancy over all his companions due to the savagery of his nature but suppose there should be money in the carriage 
haven't you struck a bargain yes i closed with you all right go and look up the postilion who is fixed up in the stable but if there was any gold in it is there any in there marcia terre asked sharply of marie while he shook her by the arm i have a hundred crowns replied mademoiselle de vernoy at these words the two shoe-ones looked at each other well my good friend do not let us fall out about a republican girl said pia miche in marcia terre's ear shall we chuck her into the pond with a stone round her neck and divide the hundred crowns between us i will give you the hundred crowns out of my share of dorgemont's ransom cried marcheterre suppressing the groan occasioned by this sacrifice piumiche gave a hoarse kind of cry and went to find the postilion his glee brought bad luck to the captain whom he met when he heard the report of the gun marcheterre hurried to the spot where francine still in terror was praying with clasped hands upon her knees beside the poor captain so vivid had been the effect upon her of the spectacle of the murder run to your mistress said the shoeman shortly she is safe he himself ran in search of the postilion and returned with the speed of lightning as he passed by merle's body for the second time he saw the glove of the gar which the dead hand was still clutching convulsively oh cried he piamiche has tried foul play here it is not so sure that he will live to draw that income of his he tore away the glove and said to mademoiselle de verneuil who was already in her place in the coach with francine beside her here take this glove if you are attacked on the road say oh the gah and show this passport here and no harm can come to you francine he said turning towards her and seizing her hand we are quits now with the woman there the devil take her come with me would you have me leave her just now at this moment francine answered in a melancholy voice marcheterre first scratched his ear and then his forehead then he raised his head and showed his eyes with the fierce expression that made them formidable you are right said he for a week i will leave you with her but when once it is over if you do not come to me he did not finish the sentence but he struck the muzzle of his rifle a heavy blow with the flat of his hand made a feint of leveling it at his mistress and went without waiting for a response as soon as the shoeman had gone a stifled voice that seemed to rise from the surface of the pond cried madame madame the postilion and the two women shuddered with horror for several dead bodies had drifted thither a blue hiding behind a tree showed himself let me get up on your box or i am a dead man 
that damned glass of cider that clay de care would drink has cost more than a pint of blood if he had followed my example and made his rounds our poor comrades would not be floating about there like a fleet end of section fourteen